Grand Risings, everyone. Grand Risings. Excuse my voice. I have my sinuses. It's just, ooh, sinuses and allergies. I was outside quite a bit yesterday. I woke up with a thought on my mind um, about kind of why it's important for us to mind our business. And I know you guys are like, oh my God, you talk about that a lot. And some people consider it lame because this is the age where everyone is extremely addicted to drama. Okay, they're extremely addicted to drama. Matter of fact, they're so addicted to drama, they'll begin to, um, if, it's, if it's like really peaceful, they'll get um, uncomfortable. Like with a peaceful day, you're just chilling, you know, you got off work, nothing much going on. It was a pretty much easy day at work. You know what I'm saying? Nothing really happened. They'll begin to manufacture and make up things that um, they can have drama about, to be dramatic about it, be beefing with. Okay, and here's a side note. Especially with the social media era, and uh, most people being narcissistic, okay, they have a tendencies anyway. <clears throat> they'll pretend to be beefing and uh, having drama with someone, and it'll actually be a lie, okay. And it's all to kind of it could either be to bait you, or um, it could be just to have a play, just drama for drama's sake. It could be a distraction, okay. So, you got to be careful with that as well. And it's also possible that people can be pretending to get along and so in love. That's my best friend, that's my best friend, and they really can't stand each other. So you have to be careful with that. Just because people are acting out a certain way doesn't mean that's what's really going on, okay? And that's what I mean about being addicted to drama. <clears throat> Some people's relationships, uh, that's not be romantic relationships, or what they call romantic. I don't call it romantic, I call them trauma bonds, but a lot of these relationships are based upon drama. And when they don't have anything to be dra you know, dramatic about, a lot of times they'll start beefing with another outside party. Uh, I've had it happen to me. It has, they don't have jack shit to do with you, but they thought they feel a sense of purpose and their interaction with each other that's our beacon with you. And uh, you know, cause a little mishaps and all this little weird stuff surrounding you and lying, you said this, you did that. So it gives them a reason to act outlandish to basically make a fool out of their damn self. You know what I mean? So they'll be like, Well you you wanted to take my job. It's like, no, I don't even live in that same city. That's your rational, mature response. And they'll take that irrational, made-up drama in their mind, made-up lies in their mind, just so they can act dramatic and be foolish and get attention, okay? Because also the, the drama thing, being addicted to drama is addicted to attention. Attention, and it's a certain type of attention, okay? All right, so we're going to be listening to a few doctors today to explain this. Because I know it sounds foreign to some people. They're like, and then the, most, the people will be saying, I just don't want no drama in my life. I just want to have peace. And, and uh, you know, those be the main ones that be, you know, just kind of watch the actions is what I'm saying. Okay, I wouldn't really get too duped into the, you know, too much baited into their little weird things they have going on. Okay, and then some people also are addicted to drama because it may come from low self-esteem. You know what I'm saying? Whereas if you have a man... And he's engaged with the, um, you know, women, okay, different women or a particular woman, and uh, they believe that if the woman is acting crazy for them, making a fool out of themselves all on the internet, <clears throat> you know, act like they can't eat, they can't sleep, you know, really just like not even taking care of themselves, not taking, uh, uh, avoiding their mental health, they think that that drama means dedication. And what they're not getting is they can be a personality disorder or a spiritual problem. You understand? Or something genetic that's kind of going on with them. 
uh, that they need to get some help for. It's nothing to be revered or looked at as beautiful or, oh my God, you know what I'm saying? Like, they really feeling me. Somebody acting crazy over you like that. They're not really feeling you. Sometimes they just like attention, okay? If it wasn't you, ask yourself this. If it wasn't me, would it be somebody else they'll be acting like this with? Your ding dong not that good, bro. Sorry to tell you. Your cootie cat or your coochie ain't that good, okay? Because men do it too. If it's not you, it'd be somebody else. You can see this when you <clears throat> break apart from people. Even if it's a friendship, you can see it when you break apart from them, right? They'll still be experiencing those same dynamics or creating them on varying degrees with other people, okay? Because uh, it's not about you. You know, people say, it's all about me. No, it ain't about you. It's, it might be about their personality disorder, okay? That's what it might be about. And they're addicted to drama. They, a lot of people mistake drama for passion, okay? Like, I'm being dramatic. And, you know, when we look at the word drama, what does it mean to play? A scene, something you're acting out, right? So if you're acting something out, you know, it's over-exaggerated when you go see a play. They're really loud and, you know, they wear extra makeup because it's lights, camera, action. They know people are watching them. That's what drama means. So if people feel the need, especially on social media, they know that you're watching them or they, they uh, know that you might see what they're doing, they're going to act out even worse, right? And it sometimes debates you into their ignorant-ass drama that they have going on. And that's what I mean about minding your business. You might be able to see observe something, but I wouldn't be dedicating my time to be like, what's going on and who? Because that's, first of all, it's none of my business. I don't pay my bills. I don't give a damn. You know what I'm saying? So you'll find this a lot. <clears throat> I went through this with my kid's dad a lot, where he would have his strange women acting weird on the Internet. And I'd be like, oh, okay. I see what you're doing. They want you to get roped into their little weird stuff. They want you to get jealous. And lots again, I told you, when a man is immature, they don't really know who they are. They find a woman being ignorant like that, acting unbecoming, acting immature, making a fool out of themselves. So they look at that as being um, attractive and romantic. I'm just telling you, when a man has low self-esteem, they don't know who they are. And it shows that they're gullible because that woman can be playing with their emotions, acting stupid as hell like that. They do it all the time. It's called being a mark. They look at you as being an easy target. You a mark. That's all I got to do is cry. Act a fool. I can't live without you. I'm going to kill myself. All of this little weird stuff. I can't eat. I can't sit. That's all I have to do is just say the same thing over and over and over again. And with you with your low self-esteem and you with your inflated ego that they didn't gassed up. And it's actually a false ego because like real ego is kind of like confidence, self-confidence. The false ego is based off of what other people do and how you, how you think you make them feel. So if I lie about how you make me feel, okay, as a woman, because I could easily do it. I mean, most women know how to do it, right? We've been dealing with our emotions for the majority of the part, you know, since we were children. Me and two, but more majority of the time, they not really, uh, they don't really show it. You know what I'm saying? As much, even when they little boys and stuff, you have to kind of, you know, get them to open up. But with little girls, we used to be an outlandish, and that hurt my feelings. And it's okay for us to cry in public and act, act a fool. Where it's not really, you guys know that, it's not socially accepted for men or even little boys for that matter. Which I think is something wrong with that, but hey, that's just how the world is. <clears throat> if I know that's all I have to do is create some drama, act like I'm fake beefing with somebody. It could be somebody made up, like I'm beefing with her. She looked at you. She wants you. Right? And I didn't did a whole bunch of inappropriate ignorant shit to you. And you know that. I could kind of gaslight you with my behavior saying... I'm going to whoop her ass. How dare she mess with my man? That type of thing. And people get addicted to that. And that would be their whole relationship for years. I've seen it. And the problem is they're roping in third parties. They ain't got jack shit to do. What the hell? Ignorant. Uh, dramatic. Very immature. Draining. 
stupid ass shit they got going on. Sorry for the words this morning, but it's just coming out because I think that it's just, I've been through this and I think that it's really dumb. So we're going to be listening to, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Dr. Scott. He's going to be talking about uh, the addiction to drama. Okay. This is Dr. Scott on YouTube. Let's go ahead and get this one here. Your bio to put some of your uh, background into one of the programs that you're featured in. I was like, wow, does this guy ever stop learning? You have so much knowledge and wisdom. And so I'm, I'm excited about this book because I know that it's actually really well researched, really well thought out, and that you really do know your stuff. So what inspired you to actually write about drama first? Because I'm sure you could have written about many different things. Yeah, I mean, truly my own history with it come from a long lineage of chaos and crisis and growing up both in environment and watching it. You drama being modeled as the means of survival as a kid and, you know, learning the behaviors of and adapting them in my own life and finding that no matter where I was going, that there was always some level of suffering, some level of negativity. And I got to a point where I couldn't tolerate the struggle anymore, the suffering that I was participating in, that I was contributing to. And realizing all of that started this whole life shift of making choices about moving towards well-being as opposed to pain. And which is a wild thing to think about that we would use drama as a means of survival. And, and even though it is causing its own pain. And so, yeah, I, I decided when I was doing my doctoral program, like that's going to be my main focus, my research. And I realized there was nothing out there. There was no resources. There was a lot of like shameful articles out there about like, if you're a drama queen, you're just seeking attention. And I was like, no, there's something in me that's really deeply wounded. And attention is not something I can actually tolerate. Validation was not something I even knew. Like I would go to a, after, you know, as an artist and I would go perform and I would say, oh, I did such a terrible job. And someone would be like, you did beautifully. And I could never actually take it in. So I knew there was a dissonance between the idea that drama addiction was just some attention-seeking behavior. And, and it's actually something much deeper, a way of escaping our own trauma by chasing the drama. Did you hear what he just said? Did you hear what he just said? I haven't watched this particular video. I have um, read articles that he's written on psychology today. You guys know I'm very interested in psychology. You know, if I kind of had to do it all over again my college years, I'm really interested in science. I went to Wayne State for, um, my major was nursing. And then a sister ran out of money, okay, because my family didn't give me down. And I wrote essays to get my grants and stuff, my pale grants and stuff for my first year of college. I ended up going to WC3 to try to hold on to that nursing career. But then I ended up leaving, and I went to trade school for a medical assistant. And I did that for many, 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 many years, okay? <clears throat> Clinical and administrative. I would draw blood and give shots and, you know, the people that do your vital. I did all of that, okay? Your analysis, everything. I said all of that to say this. If I had to go back to my college career, or I call it a career, days, I probably would have went for psychology because I naturally just am really obsessed with it. I try to understand, uh, 
you know the, the stuff behind things. Why did you act like that? Why do you do that, right? And that, that helps me to be able to move on. So that's my closure, me understanding on my own and whatever, <clears throat> higher power. I kind of move on that way. And it appears to people to be very cold-blooded. But if that's how it appears, well, you know, if the shoe fits weird, I don't care about that. Um, you have to be cold-blooded to some people. You can't be, like, nice to everyone because a lot of these people, like he said, they're addicted to pain. People who are addicted to pain uh, a lot of times are extremely toxic, and they'll project that you're addicted to pain, and they'll use that as a premise of why they're treating you the way they're treating you and that you like that and that you're a masochist and all of this little weird little projection stuff that they'll put on you. They'll project their personality upon you, okay? So you see how he said, didn't I say this attention-seeking? They'll even do it with you, especially on social media. That's why I said the other day. Uh, a part of asserting yourself may be to block certain people. Don't engage anymore. Do you understand? There's nothing to it. Now, I will get assertive. You're not about to keep. You know what I'm saying? You're thinking you're playing in somebody's face. When I'm trying to be nice, but I really don't give a damn about what you're doing. That's how you can tell the immaturity of people. They're not reading the room. They're not, they have no self-awareness. Okay? And it seems like social media has kind of regressed. It's a beautiful place, but I notice it's kind of even regressed people who I once knew personally and saw from afar. You can tell that they were more mature than how they are now. They kind of act like it's worse than high school a little bit. I know you guys agree. You never say it. So it's an addiction to drama. It's attention-seeking. I feel I have, I have lots of stage, so I'm going to beef with you. And this is a way for them to avoid. It's like escapism. And you you got to be careful because people will rope you into their escapism, okay? They'll use you as a avatar version of you. And they'll act like they're fighting against you. And you have nothing to do with their whacked-out, moked-out, weird situationships or you know, friendships or associations that they chose to make. Those are decisions that they chose to make. They'll make a play and a drama out of this rejection of you. And it's actually a blessing in disguise. Even they're acting like that. Although it can be shocking how outlandish and blatant and very immature and ignorant it can be, it's actually a blessing when you look at it, look at it in the long run. Okay? Because who would want to be associated with people who carry on like that? Really? If they're really seeking after, you know, having a peaceful life, chilling, you know what I'm saying, going after your bag. I'm not I'm not mad at that. People get mad. They might act out every now and then. It is what it is. You know, I do it. But for you to be constantly focused on that way of life, it's not good for your mental health. It's not even good for your physical health. You're causing stress to yourself just to get attention. I'm stressed out. And my man, and then for you to be so obsessed, you know, that obsession with another person, it's the difference between loving somebody and being obsessed with them. When you obsess with another person like that, that'll kind of skew your vision upon things, you know, even upon people. You know what I mean? So somebody might say hi to somebody that you obsess with, and you'll get mad, and you'll turn that person into an enemy. They want you. I know it. And then here comes the drama. And then, again, I told you, and it's a lot of things. It's American men. I'm not trying to be mean. A lot of American men, especially in the urban communities, they have been taught that a woman acting dramatic because their mamas probably act like that or their cousins and big sisters growing up or a homegirl down the street. They have been taught. And even by some of their male friends tell them that, oh, man, she acting crazy for you. She really like you, dog. No. That's somebody that has some mental issues. They are addicted to drama. If it wasn't you, if you look back, okay, some of their relationships that you probably don't know about, they probably was acting the same way and worse. Sometimes people mellow out a little bit and they crazy as they get older. Sometimes they get worse, okay? So we have to kind of, that's what I mean. Today, just mind your business. It don't have nothing to do with you. You might look at it. Sometimes the stuff be funny. I might look at stuff and laugh. Like, ha, that's crazy. They tripping, right? 
know. And then you keep it moving. It might be a story. It could be anything. It could be. It's not something that you personally connected to, right? Because I don't personally. A lot of people who think they know me or have issues with me, I personally don't know your ass and don't want to by how you. Be, I can see how you behave from afar. I haven't dated nobody, man. I've been single for nine years. I haven't slept with nobody. I'm not interested in that. You know what I'm saying? I haven't made any like new friends. I've been focused on me and mine. So if anybody's thinking that they have some type of weird love triangle personal issue with me, it's that's that's projection of drama. Sometimes people it could really be that simple. They will pick you out of a crowd, or because you're halfway decent looking. It don't matter what it is, okay? Because we don't know how irrational people think. I'm just giving you examples. Anything be your, your shoes you had on, and they would choose you as their as their point of tension, and they won't even use you as a point of tension in their weird, whacked out, uh, unhealthy, dysfunctional relationships that has nothing to do with you. I haven't given anybody my number. I haven't been out on any dates with anyone, and that's been my choice because I've chose to raise my children. I have very young children. A lot of them at one time. So I'm like, let me, you know what I'm saying? Let me do my mom thing. I'm, on my mom's, I'm doing my big one of my mom's stuff. So I have noticed that if people see you got a cute picture or anything, a lot of, especially a lot of times with women, they'll choose to be on an attack, attack. I'm attacking you. And you have to ask yourself, why are you trying to rope and bait somebody into your weird relationships you have with people? Because it's them escaping. And then if they're not, if you're not careful, You'll see the male counterpart of that female, if they're weak-minded or if they're gullible, they'll go right along with whatever the weird, loped-out <laughs> uh, shenanigans that the woman have. And then you can end up, if you have businesses, if you have a certain presence on social media that you sell products and stuff on, it kind of start bringing your brand down because your personal life is getting mixed in with your business life. You know, that's why I would tell all business owners, I would have a personal page that's private. And then I would have a business page that's public. And on my business page, you get nothing but business stuff on it. Here's the product. You guys like this? I may tell a little funny story or share a funny name pertaining to my business. I'm not going to be putting anything I'm going on with my personal life all out there for everybody to see. I ain't no open book over here. Okay, like Facebook. And I ain't no Facebook. You ain't going to be able to see my Facebook. That's it. You might see my face, though, because but it's going to see private. Okay? So that's, that's another point of there. You know what I'm saying? Keep some things private and then push your business in public. Not your business. Did you get what I just said? Not your personal business in public. And you want to rope random strangers, you know, into stuff and randomly compete with them. Like, no, that shows, you know, some mental health issues there. So this is an addiction to drama. You know what I'm saying? We all have to hold ourselves accountable. Because I've been there, done that. I've been there with my kids' father in my 20s. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know any better. And I was green and I was gullible. And I was thinking like, oh, well. I'm going to let you know. Are you really letting somebody know about posting something stupid as hell on your on your um, social media? Where do you let them know that you're paying attention to them? Nigga, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even give you the, 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 the benefit of knowing. You understand? At all. All right? And a lot of people look at that as cold-blooded. So be it. The world is a cold place. You know what I'm saying? You got to assimilate yourself. And people who get your warmth and your softness is people who deserve it. I don't have to give you my warmth and my softness. I could be cordial. I don't have to be nasty or cantankerous with you. But if I see that you're drama filled and you're trying to rope me into some stuff, I'm not going to even interact with you in any type of way. If I choose to assert myself, that's the set of boundary A. Now, I don't know your ass or A, you're going too far. And then keep it moving. Do you understand? So in order for us to live a peaceful, a peaceful life and kind of go off and, you know what I'm saying, like kind of do your thing, you're going to have to detach and remove yourself. 
from a lot of this addiction to drama. A lot of people love to talk about people that's addicted to cigarettes and alcohol and the different the different substances, which I have them in my family and I have struggled with. I told you guys my, my nicotine addiction. I've been uh, four four months, four months in the week, four months almost two weeks uh, clean off of cigarettes. Whoop, whoop. Okay, it's been very hard. My lungs have been cleaning themselves. You can hear it in my voice. I'm like, I want my old voice back. But the doctors told me it's going to take a while because I smoked for so long. Okay, <clears throat> excuse me. So they love to talk about people that is addicted to stuff that you can't see or you can buy, but they don't talk about people being addicted to this drama. They're an addict as well, an addict of drama. Their relationships are based off of it. It affects their relationship. An addiction is something that you do so much it starts to affect your health. It's affecting your mental health. It's affecting your relationships. It's affecting your, your workplace. You know what I'm saying? It's robbing people around you of the real you. It's the same thing. You being this dramatic, outlandish, uh, acting like an ass fool in public. Like, that's not cute after a while. You understand what I'm saying? All right, let's keep on listening to this. Now, I know you guys, you know, listening to me like, girl, please. But I'm bringing some doctors some certified, you know what I'm saying, well-studied, well-learned people that's coming into this. And a lot of times this addiction to drama can mask our loneliness. Like he said, we're not listening, looking at our trauma. Another word for trauma, because that's like a, a buzzword everybody using nowadays, trauma, trauma. We could use wounding, something that hurts you. Let's just use that. Something that might have hurt you be a long time ago. It could be your sister got more attention to you, and you felt like your parents didn't like you. You never dealt with that. So now somebody that you meet, and you dating this man, and she reminds you of your sister. The woman don't know that shit. She just being herself. She might flip her hair the way your sister did. You get triggered, and now that woman is this make-believe enemy to you. And you're you're trying to show this man that you're just so dedicated by fighting this woman that reminds you of your damn sister. It don't have shit to do with her. See, but if you will stop being a drama queen and a drama king, a queen baby and a king baby, and go deal with your shit like a grown person is supposed to, okay, then you'll be able to start to see, have some compassion for yourself. I don't have to have compassion on you if you acting out this weird shit towards me. That's crazy. Like, you, like you okay, you acting like a cycle towards me. I feel, and I don't have to have no compassion on you. My compassion could, could be not, not engaging with your ass. Okay, I see what that is. That's compassion. You understand? If you want compassion, people to understand, you need to go to your inner circle and go be honest and talk to them and say, hey, I think I need some help. I'm, a, I'm attacking it and dealing with this female that remind me of something of something about myself made me feel uncomfortable. And she ain't did jack shit to me. You understand? And that's an addiction to drama because you won't deal with what really hurts you. Okay? I, I didn't hurt them under these niggas. That's when people ask you, who hurt you? Yeah, who hurt you? It wasn't me. I'm not your sisters or your ex-girlfriends or your first wives or your first love or the, or the girl that you work with and she got a promotion over you. I'm not none of that to any of these people. So them to have those reactions to me shows me that you avoid and dealing with something that happened in your life that I ain't got nothing to do with. Turn your ass the, the hell back around and go talk to them people and act like that and play in their face the same way you're trying to do over here to a complete stranger. They don't have jack shit to do with none of that, okay? Now I'm giving you the ghetto psychological breakdown of it so you can hear what this beautiful, eloquent speech and well-learned man is saying the same thing I'm saying. It's an addiction and drama and I just don't want to be bothered with it no more. Okay. Yeah, that's really well said because a lot of people do see the drama queen archetype and they do just sort of label it as an attention seeking behavior when in reality we learned that somewhere. And so what I'm hearing is that you put this through a compassionate lens because I think most people don't want to say, oh, yeah, I'm addicted to drama. Most people aren't able to identify that, especially if we're really in it, because that's the thing about drama is you're sort of 
swept away with it. It feels so real. How would you define drama if you were to put it into a few sentences? Yeah, I mean, drama is the unnecessary turmoil and the exaggeration and the intensification of experience emotions that brings us further into that turmoil. And our addiction is an attachment, a dependency on something. So meaning that it serves some purpose. We don't always think about that when we talk about addiction, but it serves a purpose. It fills a void. It distracts us from an even bigger, more significant wound and pain. And it gives us sensation. So what happens in trauma is that we numb off, we wall off as a means of protection. We disassociate. And we become numb, like as though we're a walking ghost in the world. And that was my experience as a child. I used to say to my mom, like, I'm a ghost. And the best they could do is put me in therapy. But, you know, there wasn't somatic therapy back then to go like, what is that numbness? They just tried to medicate me. And, um, and they tried to medicate me on ADHD medication and all these other things of like why I couldn't focus but I couldn't be present in my own body because the pain was too significant. My little beingness couldn't hold and be present with the significant transgenerational trauma, the significant developmental trauma that I endured. Yeah. And so, you know, again, going back to the numbness, the addiction, the attachment, the dependency on sensationalism brought me to a level above the threshold of numbness where I could momentarily during my day, my week, feel like I existed, like I was alive. And we we see that, like, you know, even um, those of us who have experienced depression, we or s- sadness for a prolonged period of time, we know what that's like to feel capped, held down from feeling alive. And the the need and desire is such a a strong thing to feel like we matter, like we belong, we exist. And if we don't feel that, we feel absolutely lost and out of sync with the world. And it's wild that the sensation of drama can momentarily relieve us of that sense that we don't exist, that we don't matter, that we're not important. And how does that show up i mean when i think about it when i think about friendships especially or family relationships when you think about a person who's addicted to drama part of what they're doing is they're really trying to rope you into their story and into their reality and there's like a lot of uh like you said exaggeration and pitting you know uh, me against this person and making you choose slamming doors yeah you know, jealousy, fight. Did you just hear that? And I said, guys, hey, I told you, I, I might, hey, you never know. My kids are a little old. I might want to go back for a psychology degree just for the heck of it because I love it. And I love the way people that are smarter than me think. They put it in better words than I do because I can come off very brash and uncouth. And I'm very aware of that. I'm just like, hey, you know, your ass is a drama queen. And they're like, no, well, really it's compassion because they've been hurt. You know what I'm saying? So it's a better way. It gives me better terminology to use. And when I don't have it to use, I like to reach upon people that are higher than me. So I always, that's why the name of my podcast is Humble Dang. It's not that I'm just like, oh, I'm just so humble. And it's like fake humility. You know what I'm saying? Trying to get attention for that. No, I'm really trying to stay humble so I can kind of 
be like, okay, I don't have the the correct terminology because I'm from the hood. Okay, I know how to talk, but I'm saying when certain people keep pushing my buttons after a while, it's like, okay, your ass, like I, like what they call reading people. You know, I've been read, like I told you the other day, how people, you know, family and past friends and, and, and haters and the like, people who pumping and, and screwing on them, they get this thing about attacking your uh, body image, your financial status, your marital status, and your parenthood and that, what type of father or mother you are, your uh, spiritual practice, your sexual orientation. So I've been attacked in all of those ways. And they call, you know, calling you fat or calling you broke or saying that you ain't married, you ain't got no man or you ain't no good mother or making up stuff about whatever spiritual practice you uh, eat dirt and you worship dirt. This weird stuff I've had people say about me. And then um, you, my uh, sexual orientation, you a lesbian, you uh, addicted to men, you bisexual. They don't know what it is and it's none of your business. If I choose to disclose my sex, any of those things to you. Um, then, then it'd be your business. But up until then, it's speculation. They call that reading someone, and that's not. I be looking at them like you're not reading, really reading jack jack shit over here, because I can read to see how you act like that. It's on a psychological level. You're addicted to drama. And did you see how they just, I, how they just said they're trying to bait you? Didn't want to rope you into their warped, weird reality and pit you against each other, uh, against someone, and, and they're jealous of you. Did you see what I mean about how like a woman act outlandish on social media or in real life or trying to fight you and trying to uh, uh, compete with you, and she thinks she's doing it over a man, but it's really to avoid pain? And they'll rope you into something. He's like, I don't even know you, motherfucker. I ain't got shit to do with that. That's what I'm saying. The title of this podcast is, that don't have nothing to do with me. That's not my problem. It's not my problem, and I shouldn't have to be subjected to your idiocy and your dramatic, ridiculous, queen baby, king baby behavior because you don't want to deal with yourself. That's not my problem, okay? It's this is not. It's not my problem. It's really not my problem, okay? And it's unfair because people look at a quiet person or a person that's just kind of off to themselves, like you weak, like you don't know what's going on, like you gullible, and they'll make you the butt of the joke and the scapegoat. Bitch, I'm not your goddamn scapegoat. I'm not no damn scapegoat. I have lionesses and big cats tattooed on me for a reason. A lioness is quiet as well until she strikes. So let's not get, we got we to gotta kind of make some, I'm putting this out there in a universe. Okay, we're going to make some boundaries set around here. Okay, just because people have psychological issues like this, it's not my fault. Like, I, I don't have to be subject to you having a problem. You know, we turn into adults and we have people around us that love us. They supposed to say, hey, dog, you, you uh, smoking too many cigarettes. I had people tell me that. Or, hey, you kind of might be drinking a little bit too much. Something you addicted to. You may be eating too much. I've had a lot of people say that to me. And then you fight it for a while, but then after a while, you're like, okay, that's true. Let me work on this. They, you need to go have your let me work on this moment by your damn self. You're not about to be roping strangers into your weird way of thinking. Okay? All right? Okay. Let's continue. It's, you know, we're... It, it, we see it as like even where red flags become the thing of comfort right. in relationships or they're chasing something unachievable so they can confirm their own sense of pain that they've held and and meanwhile creates all this chaos. And yeah, and I think you name something so mysteriously important, which is they rope you in. Yeah. They pull you into their tornado of crisis and chaos and they they like and they do it through like drama bonding right whether it's like hey you know like we both have had this suffering i'm going to bring you in and what drama bonding is is we're throwing logs on each other's fire 
our own throwing logs on our stress responses. We're not helping each other metabolize and heal. We're amping each other up. And the other way is like, you know, I'm pulling you in. I'm involving you because when you're in that state of crisis and chaos with me, I feel a sense of belonging or a false sense of belonging, but it's a belonging nonetheless that keeps me going, well, I should do that again. My dopamine is like, yes, I feel I'm, I should be rewarded. I'm motivated to continue to feel some level of connection because otherwise I just feel numb and cut off. And so do you find that people who are addicted to drama have this unspoken contract with others that they will collude with their story? And so if they don't, then they're just out. Like there's they're a- out. Yeah. But on the other side of that is people enabling those stories. You know, it's like your friend calls you and you're like, they're like, oh, my gosh, this math teacher, he was such, you know, like so mean and he didn't see me. And you're like, oh, what an ass. Like, how awful is that math teacher? You know, like, he, why does he even have a job? You know, we're just like, again, throwing logs on as opposed to going, wow, that sounds really painful. I'm sorry that's happening to you right now. Yeah. Is there anything else I can hold space for you around? Yeah, see, like, that's the difference. It's like that's you're the difference so, between enabling empathy. You're not calling them out, but you're not mm-hmm. throwing gas on the fire. And that's exactly. Because when you throw gas on their fire, you're also throwing gas on your fire. Yeah. So we don't often think that the enablers are, you know, even though they mean well, are actually have their own kind of addiction to drama. Just because they're not the main starters of the fire doesn't mean they're not participating in the ritual of it. For sure. Yeah, I've I've been in a, a friendship like that before, too. Yeah. I see yeah. myself in that. I think most of us have had some sort of encounter with a drama addict or been a drama addict ourselves. It's not that uncommon. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm curious what you would suggest if a person is in that kind of dynamic, how could they, how could they tell that maybe it's out of balance? Cause there's a, there's a lot of people who say, well, I need to be able to just vent. Yeah. Like, where can I go to vent? And that's a fair question because sometimes we just need to say all the shit that's in our heads and get it out and not have anybody judge us, no matter how crazy or shadowy it sounds, but where's the line? Yeah, it's it's are we repeating it is is a big like symptom of like I call you Jay and I'm like, oh my gosh, that math teacher, da 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 da. I then call my sister and I'm like, uh, his math teacher. And then I was like, and then I'm thinking about my English teacher and I'm bringing them in. And I'm rolling down the hill and I'm involving and venting to as many people as possible. I am feeding off the emotion to maintain the stress response as to, as opposed to utilizing these connections to process and metabolize it. Yeah. And that is a big difference. Like, why do we need to vent? What is it that we're not actually, what is the vent, how might the venting be overriding the intimate and vulnerable connection to the emotions and needs that are underlying it? Right, because when someone 
calls to vent. Usually they're venting from a space of anger. But I've even done this, you know, where I call, you know, one of my friends, Georgiana, she works with me and she's a great listener. And we kind of have this agreement because we're both the kind of people who never ask for help that we will ask each other. You know, I'm like, I don't need to talk about this, but I will. You know, I'm going to call you because it's a good practice. And, you know, sometimes for myself, I find I'm it's more accessible to contact my anger before my sadness. So I'm the kind of type because of my upbringing where my anger comes first and then the vulnerability comes next. So I need to be able to sort of get the anger rolling, you know, get it out and then contact that pain. Yeah. And that's what's called using a secondary emotion to tap into a primary. So if our primary emotions are not, are those are our core emotional experiences, but if they were like cut off or not allowed, or we didn't have permission to feel anger or sadness or even joy as a kid, they all get deposited into a secondary emotion. If we can channel the secondary into a primary, like I need to tap anger before I can really touch into my sadness until I learn and give myself the permission to be with sadness. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's a healing path. If I'm constantly defaulting to a secondary emotion and never get to a primary emotion, then we're staying in the loop of never processing and metabolizing the actual core feeling, the actual core need. And then we're complaining that our, we're not being seen, that our needs aren't being met. And that just keeps fueling the addiction drama. And that's sort of the hallmark of somebody with anxious attachment to sure or or disorganized attachment as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, certainly there's a deep developmental attachment piece embedded in the sort of foundations of what creates an addiction to drama. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when. All right. Now, did you hear that as well? The, the lady who's interviewing him, I love. I love, I love, I love when psychologists or anyone that's had, um, you know, deep and very colorful uh, life experiences, when they have someone that's knowledgeable about the subject and kind of self-aware, even if they're not like really knowledgeable, they're self-aware where they can ask very deep, uh, educated questions. Because you can see that she's kind of, she's getting a little triggered, but she's kind of seeing herself. And I think that's great. She's approaching it with humility and trying to get understanding. Which, you know, what a beautiful way to respond uh, to, you know, getting questions and questioning psychologists. You know what I'm saying? So did you hear how he just said, how she just said that, um, does that have, that have something to do with an anxious attachment style? A lot of people don't know why they attach to certain people. There's this line in a Kendrick Lamar song, Poetic Justice, uh, what we have is a fatal attraction. Uh, something like that, what we have common is, is pain. Some attractions are fatal. They're not good for your mind. Are they killing your joy? You ever heard, heard of somebody being a kill joy? Like, damn, what the hell are you coming around? You was having a good time and didn't want to kill your joy? Because some people are addicted to pain. They're addicted to it. And it makes them a sight like a... I'm not, I don't want to say it. Let me say it in a nicer way. It makes them an unhinged masochist. You have some masochists where it's a sexual component to it. And I, I understand that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've tried to understand that where they like to get a little spanky spank. You know, we like to get a little spank from our man or our woman or whatever. You know, whatever you like. Or, you know what I'm saying? You might have to you know, put your hand on my neck and he just going to pound town. You know, something like that. That's like, okay, a little masochist. But when it starts to get like, 
you unhinged with it. You involved in people unknowingly. They don't want to be bothered with your stuff. Like, yeah, you, you want my man. You ever seen somebody that's, and they call it insanely jealous? Like, you, you want them. I saw you looking like that type of thing. Or a guy that would like fight you, like, bruh, why are you looking at my, my girl's ass, dog? Like, do you want her? Do you like that type of thing? Like, they'll fight and compete and, and buy stuff and flew out and, and pay car notes, pay how the day they cashing out on each other. You understand? And they like, it's like they're trying to, say that other people are jealous of them, but nobody is really saying anything except for them. So it's like, it's like watching a train wreck. You know what I mean? So that's what I mean. I do notice the stuff like, oh, okay. If it don't got nothing to do with me, I might laugh. I'm be honest with you. Like, oh my God, it's so crazy. But then I, you know, like, okay, let me get on and uh, get up and wash the dishes. You know what I'm saying? Or let me, uh, you know, we can make ourselves, let me go uh, uh, take the kids outside. You know, anything. You know what I mean? I need to go grocery shop and go buy some more canned goods. You know, you can kind of pull yourself up out of that, like observing it. Whereas it's different. It's a different thing where people try to rope you and your likeness and what they think your essence is and who you are as a person and trying to warp who you are and pulling you into their weird, uh, you know, uh, anxious attachment styles. Right. So it's like a fatal attraction type of a thing. And you heard her say they go to a secondary emotion. Some people's secondary emotion is envy and jealousy. Yeah. It's, that's their secondary no it's not the first emotion the first emotion is i'm not i'm not i don't feel like i'm being seen or i don't feel like i'm important where did that where did you first feel that i didn't make you feel like that i don't know you see that's where the projection comes it's like no i ain't oh you think you nah you trying to tell me how i'm thinking and my intentions towards stuff and you don't know me like that so no i don't think so you know what i'm saying or they get jealous you want my man i ain't where did i give you that impression from People can find your spouse or your significant other attractive doesn't mean that they want them or they might be attracted to their facial type. Okay, I was joking around the other day. I have a certain facial and a certain body type I like for light-skinned men, for brown-skinned men, and for dark-skinned men. Whoever you might be with, I might look at them like, wow, that's a nice-looking person. You know what I'm saying? They match whoever, whatever body type I like. That doesn't mean that somebody is like trying to, you trying to break my home up. Like, no. See how they kind of jump to conclusions that make you an enemy that's an anxious attachment style that's a person that's addicted to drama because are you like he said are you are you trying to metabolize and deal with why i feel like this and go to you whoever you know and say hey i'm feeling your real emotions i feel unheard and unseen you know what i'm saying then y'all deal with it that means you keeping people out your business i ain't got nothing to do with that like i said it's not my problem or are you projecting out on people like me and other people and putting stuff off on them, that's not even the truth. Do you see what I mean? That's also called disturbing the peace. Because like, if I'm over here peacefully doing my thing, and you disturbed, you're going to try to disturb my peace. That's actually not something that you're supposed to be. You can't do that in public. You know what I'm saying? You go to a, a restaurant, you, you disturbing their peace, they're going to get you up out of there. So that's what I did. And they'll tell you, that's not my problem. You know what I'm saying? So it's a, and it's, that's just how the world is. It's not being cold-blooded, okay? It's not being cold-blooded. I told you guys that you have to observe. You do have to be assertive. But there's some people that are so unhinged and so disturbed, and it's not to say it in a negative way. They may need to seek some real counsel and tell the truth to their counsel. Because a lot of times they begin counsel, they be lying to them. And you need to get some help and go to your circle. And if people care about you, they'll tell you, hey, do we need, we need to talk about a few things. Let's sit down. So when people say, I have such best friends and I love my life, if, if somebody not checking your behavior like that, I'm, I beg to differ. All right? I beg to differ, like big time. So you can see that they're not expressing their real emotions, which that's not my problem. 
if I am not in close relationship with you, if we're not friends, you're not my lover, you're not my, we're not engaged, you're not my husband, I've been single for nine years, okay, I ain't talked to nobody's man, nothing like that, okay, you ain't my family member, if you are, I don't, hey, I don't hang with you like that, you're not my friend, I don't, we don't call each other, hang out to go to coffee, your emotions is not my problem, I can have compassion from afar, and say, I hope that they get some help. And literally mean that to keep on going about my day. But your emergency is and your, your whacked out behavior. That's not my problem. And that's where you're going to have to assert yourself. Because see, by me being quiet, people think like, oh, I can just keep acting. No, you're not about to keep acting like that now. No, I don't think so. No. You how you feel on the inside by looking at me or who you perceive me to be and making you be responding a certain way. That's not my problem. And that's my boundary. That's not my problem. I wish you the best. Good luck on, best of luck on your future endeavors. They'll make a spectacle out of them rejecting you. And see, it's like a, a reverse psychology thing. Rejection, obviously, is God protection because look how you carry on. How is that going to bring me peace in my life? You know, I want a, I want a peaceful penis or, or peaceful, you know, friends, women, friends, or peaceful business partners around me. Does it mean perfect? Nah, but, you know, they like to chill out. We want to go fishing or something, have barbecue, something like that. Go try some tango classes. I don't want to be bothered with this type of carrying on all the time, guys. We getting older, man. I ain't going to have for that. Okay? So we're going to continue listening to this. This is so good today. Okay? And I'm learning more about myself. I love the language he's getting. And I'm going to challenge myself to be even more compassionate towards this. Because I'm aware I come off kind of cold-blooded. But it's just because I have a lot of people project on me. And I can clearly see, like, you need to go talk to your family about that or your friends. I don't know you. And how you're behaving, I don't want to. And I, that's my right. Like, no, no, thank you, because you, you're full of what? Drama. It's already dramatic enough raising children and trying to have, you have a marriage and stuff. That's drama up in there. I don't have no time for this. You see what I'm saying? I've been single for a reason because I didn't want extra drama added to my life while I'm trying to heal and get through stuff and figure out why I attracted the men in the past that I did. And then trying to raise children and, and, and remove bitterness off of me and resentment and stuff. I didn't want to put another man into that place with me. I want him to have a more peaceful side of me. So now that I'm approaching and embracing the more peaceful, vulnerable, soft side of me, that I'm only going to show my man. That's not for every man to see. That's not for you and your friends to see like, oh, she kind of mean. I, I don't have to be like really buddy-buddy with you. I can say, hey, how you doing? Be cordial. Be polite. And that's it. See what I mean? That's just how it's going to be now from now on. It just has to be like that because people are addicted to this drama and addicted to projection and they can rope you into stuff that could be possibly dangerous. That's what that fatal attraction thing. You ever heard of that lady where the man went off again with somebody else and she wore a diaper and drove in the car to try to kill him and I like had the stuff all up to her car. People get unhinged like that because they have an anxious attachment style. So if I'm a woman and I see that you attract women like that, I'm going to back away from you. And a lot of times the men that try to prove something to the woman about rejecting you or being nasty, outlandish, I'm just going to take it on the chin. I'm like, well, I'll take that L and keep it moving. Why? Because that's actually protection. If you, if you are protecting someone that's a drama queen and you're rejecting a person that's, that's trying to walk in peace, I'm kind of questioning you on the, in the long run, okay? And people have a right to live their life the way they want to. I had to deal with them, my kid's father. Like, okay, good luck to you. What you, what you consider trash is somebody else's treasure and vice versa. What you consider treasure could be somebody else's trash. So you have to let water seek its own level. If you got two puddles, they're going to they gel well together. You know what I'm saying? 
You got lake. There's different bodies of water. So water seeks its own level. If water is falling, it's going to seek that. It's going to level out, baby. You ever seen a lopsided lake? No, you'll never see it because it has to level out. So you have whatever environment is in. You have to let people stay. You ever heard of a big fish being at a little pond? Well, I got to get myself on the body of this little pond. Let this let y'all kind of stay there. That's not thinking you better than nobody. It's just that this environment don't fit me. It fits you. And you have to release these people. Even if whatever proximity, it could be a stranger, it could be an associate, an acquaintance, an old friend, old family. People have the right to make the choices that they want to. And if they choose to be involved with drama-filled people, just know I ain't going to be bothered with your ass. There's enough drama in everyday life. You could be, it could be drama going to the grocery store. You're involved with a, a nasty cashier. <laughs> you know, if you got a booth thing, it'd be drama there. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? Like every, But if it's all the time, you're not a prospective person that I'm going to be looking at as like head of my household or a leader over me in my house as far as romantically. And then especially if you attract. That's why I had to release my kid's dad. You know what I'm saying? He was he would attract these out unhinged, weird women that be calling my phone. One time one of the girls was calling up. I was a manager at this um, place. I ain't going to say where. And she called up there so many times I almost lost my job. She called up there so many times. He left her. She was pregnant. She laughed when he, you know what I'm saying, me and him broke up and I was pregnant. She laughed, I took your baby daddy. You know how women are. She was, I took your baby daddy and da, 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 da. I said, okay, okay, we'll see how this going to work out. He did the same thing to her. Then she called me, asked me, and obsessively did that, right? And me stupidly thinking, you know, sometimes the men will lie to you. You go back, okay? But then I started seeing a pattern, the one that he's married to now, she started calling the phone. Now watch this. Did you hear what I just said? He's married to a woman. Now, that when I was pregnant with my twins, he was sleeping with her. And then he got into two more relationships after, because it's been nine. I've been single for almost nine years. My daughter's about to be nine. Our daughter's about to be nine. So I just chose not to date anybody else. You know what I'm saying? Just like, I had my little thing, my little fling with someone had babies. And I, I chose to let him go too, because I wasn't in the place to be in no relationship. And I wasn't feeling him like that. But I love the kids. You understand how it is? It's, it is what it is. I have to deal with the consequences of my behavior. And why? Because I was unhealed. In, the, in certain areas, and I still am, which is why I don't involve myself in certain stuff. So he went on and married a woman that waited for him through three women before she got a ring. And then encourages him not, even though you can't blame it on the woman, because that's what I'm saying, the men be weak-minded, and encourages him not to see our children. Now, that's a prize to him. Most people will say, you mad because he didn't put a ring on you. But look at the caliber of man and the type of caliber of woman that he chose. He chose a woman that he was cheating with his main this, this woman with, that he got several children with. I have the most children with this person. And then she cheated with him through two other women. One of them he was engaged to. She broke that up and finally got him. And now she got a ring. Do you see what I mean? And they'll try to they try to stunt in my face. I got my man, my family and stuff like that and all this stuff and stuff. And it's like, oh, okay, well, good luck to you. And just like that other one was trying to call my phone, don't be calling my phone now. You understand what I'm saying? So people can get that unhinged. unhinged. These women, these men can get that unhinged. So when people are calling a treasure, I can look at his treasure like, no, okay now. It's because they have similar attachment styles. Water, what does water represent? Emotions. They emotionally on the same level. See, so once I, 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 I let go of my ego, and my ego got broken down and broken in and I was heartbroken 
and I was sad, and then I was bitter, and I was resentful, and I was angry. As you can see, I have a colorful mouth. I was real colorful my mouth then. After all of that subsided, and it took years, because it depends on how deeply I'm attached to the person. I have several children with you, and I know that I didn't help support you and show genuine, unconditional love, and you reject unconditional love to go to a conditional love with a conditional bitch. I have a problem with that at the time. You understand? So after I got through all of that, I started really looking, and now I look. By the time these two people got married, I'm like, oh, y'all have similar attachment styles. Y'all, y'all water that sucks that you sought your own level, like puddles. People just step over you and step in you. Congratulations. Or you like a lake, it's not really no flow there. You just sit, you just stay, just sitting there, just you understand? Okay? All right. So, and that's cool. You have to release that. Let people seek their own emotional. It was this one guy. Let me see how I can say it. How can I say his name? Uh, Dr. Lewis. Dr. Lewis said that you have to find someone that is your mental, emotional, and I think he said physical, equal, like as far as like sexual. And that makes sense. In order for you to build, like I'm, we're building together. This is my husband and my wife. Okay. In order for me to build with you in that area or if we're friends or we're building a business, was not, let's look at romantically. You have to be my equal on a certain level. That's not nobody being arrogant. Why would I get some with someone that's not my emotional equal? You're not even trying to be. You just want to be immature, insecure, ignorant, and you attracted to women that are acting like that. And it's putting me and my children in debt. Now, no, thank you. And then you're not my mental equal because you're being, being uh, manipulated by such juvenile emotions and, and fake-ass, you know what I'm saying, drama. It's like, no, thank you. And then sexual, physical, if you're attracted to people like that, I don't want you touching me. You know, we don't mean we, we don't have the same sex drive. You understand? I always want to dive deeper into my emotions and understand them. I always want to learn different things mentally. And I'm always up. If I'm in love with somebody, I'm always going to want to have sex with you all the time. I have an extremely high sex drive. So if you're not matching that, then I'm going to have to let you seek your own love. I might be like a tsunami, like an ocean, and you might be like a puddle. That's no hate. That's just what it is. So you be in a puddle. Or you being a stagnant lake is not my problem. Okay? That's the boundary. Let's keep listening to these people that are addicted to drama. Because we're drawing a beautiful line in the sand, if you will. It is so fundamental. The desire to be witnessed, the desire to be held. These primal needs are so important. And when we have early developmental trauma or environmental or chaos in the household and it's not safe to actually receive those we we cut ourselves off we numb around them and then we're in this this cycle of wanting something but not actually being able to receive it which is very much reflected in an attachment stance where it's like i want love but why do i keep shutting the door or i want love and why do i keep actually chasing people for it who can't meet me Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I talk about this a lot too in my own attachment work, which is especially mm -hmm. with anxious attachment, we have all these long lists of what we want and these demands and these expectations. But if you actually ask a person, what would that look like in real life? How could I actually meet that need for you? You might not be able to get an answer. And so that to me is also an addiction to drama. It's that addiction to that cycle of never being met there always being something wrong people not understanding us and yet what we don't realize is that 
we're just cycling through this story over and over again. We don't actually have a clear directive or a clear path for people because we're not really in tune with ourselves. And, and you have somatic practices in this book. Like I'm looking at the end of this book or at least the, the later part of it. And there's a lot of meditations and practices to help people get back into their bodies so that they can start to do that work. Yeah. Yeah. We, this is, this is such a primal experience. We can't talk our way out of an addiction to drama mm-hmm. because most often we can't even recognize it. We will find the facts to confirm and justify our extreme and intense behavior that's truly protecting us or helping us avoid the underlying experience. Mm-hmm. So we can't cognitively do this. And, you know, the, the stress reflex to keep stre- revving oneself up, avoiding, chronically avoiding stillness, settled relaxation um, is, is so such on a subtle body level that we have to be able to start to tune to attune to that. Like, it's easy if like, you know, you're in the bathtub or you're in a meditation class and suddenly you realize or you catch yourself going thinking about a fight you had the, the day before or imagining a scenario with a friend or a lover that's hasn't even happened yet. Mm-hmm. Or just thinking about your grocery list, all these ways of avoiding going down and in. And those are a little bit easier, but we might not recognize all the other ways we're revving ourselves up, like a bind. Oh, I I really need to hire, like my house is such a mess and I really need to hire someone to help me. But if I hire someone, then I'm lazy. And if I don't hire someone, it will just get worse. And you can hear the anxious bind. And that. All right. So if you guys want to continue listening to that, you guys can find that on Shalina uh, Yana. Uh, Eliana, um's channel on YouTube. It was so good. And so this was great for me as well. So how can someone meet my emotional needs? By sharing your emotions with me, your honest emotions. How can you meet my physical needs? By being open, let's explore each other's bodies any and everywhere that we possibly can in a safe and, a, you know what I'm saying, and uh, following the law way, you know what I'm saying? And then how can you meet my mental needs? By teaching me things. So when people say that I'm difficult to deal with or I don't know what I want and people don't know how to love me, that's not the truth because I've sat with myself long enough to know I like to be taught. I like to share my emotions with a man and then I like to be sexed on a lot. May love to. Okay. All right. So that's my attachment style. Go figure out yours. And remember what you're going through. If I'm not in covenant right, I don't know you. That's not my problem, but I wish you the best of luck on your future endeavors. Please don't involve me in that. All right. You guys have a wonderful day, a drama free day. This is Humble Dame over and out.